Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling, founder and CEO of Mara Poling. Happy to be with you this week to talk about taxes, taxes and retirement accounts. Using a retirement account to invest in anything is a great way to manage your tax exposure. And I'll go out on a limb and say 95% of you have done or are doing that today. But why would you want to use your retirement account to invest in real estate? And how do you do that? What are some of the benefits? And I've got a little secret tip to share with you that might save you a significant amount of taxes. So that's what this week is all about. As always, if you have any questions, shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. Those of you that are registered with us as members of our podcast team, receive weekly updates in advance about our podcasts, along with a little snippet. We uh, are grateful that you have taken the time to register and hope that you find all that valuable. If you would like to register, you can shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. You can also go to the learning center at marapolling.com and you'll find a link to the registration form right there. Okay, so let's get into it. Retirement accounts. Now, what we mean by retirement accounts are... IRAs or 401ks. I'm going to start with a bit of a disclaimer, and that is we're not providing any tax advice today. We're not tax advisors and we're not your tax advisors. So you need to have a tax advisor and you should absolutely discuss the items that we're going to mention today with them. All right. When you invest using a retirement account, you're probably using an account that's either managed by an administrator at your employer or that you have at like Charles Schwab or someplace like that. And they're going to allow you to invest in stocks and bonds and uh, maybe index funds and some other uh, items like that. But what if you want to invest in other things. What if you want to invest directly in commodities or what if you want to invest in debt instruments, right? What if you want to do mortgage lending? What if you want to own real estate directly or through a syndication? Well, those are all called alternative investments and you absolutely can do that with retirement funds. You can take your IRA that you have today, or you can take a 401k that you can roll over, right? So maybe one from a prior employer, and you can invest those in a self-directed IRA. You also can have something called a solo 401k, and that's for those of you that are self-employed or have some sort of business income. And again, these are all things that are fantastic for you to talk to your tax advisor about. What that allows you to do is in addition to the investing that I just mentioned you could do with like Fidelity or T. Rowe or somebody like that, 
you can invest in these alternative investments. You can do private lending, right? You could make hard money loans to house flippers. You can invest directly in real estate. You could go buy a condominium and rent it out and generate income for your retirement account that way. You can invest in private placements or syndications. Many of the clients that work with us use their retirement accounts to manage their investments. So how do you do that? Well, as I said, it would be using something called a self-directed IRA or a solo 401k. Self-directed IRAs are managed by a firm called a self-directed IRA custodian. That is different than like a Charles Schwab. These are firms that do not provide advice. They're not going to give you tips on what to invest in. They're not going to try and sell you anything. They simply administer the process. And they do it in a manner that conforms to the IRS requirements. A solo 401k is similar but can be set up in such a way in which you could be the trustee of the solo 401k and you're the person that would then be managing it. These can be set up as traditional, meaning pre-tax accounts. So the money that you put in, you didn't have to pay tax on at that time, but you pay tax when you take it out. Or a Roth account, which is after tax. So you paid tax on that income and then you put it in your Roth IRA and when you take that money out, along with its appreciation, you don't pay tax on that. So there's those two flavors. And as I said, there's self-directed IRA custodians and firms that will help you set up a solo 401k. Uh, you can Google uh, those and you'll get a giant list of firms that you could chat with about that. So... Why would I want to use my retirement account? Well, one is to add some diversification to your portfolio. For many individuals, and this may be true for you, their retirement account represents a significant amount of their investable capital. And if you are only invested in index funds or a bond portfolio, you're missing out on the diversification of having real estate as part of that. There's also the benefits of the long-term growth that real estate can provide. In particular, when structured the right way, uh, we have a couple of growth funds that are wonderful investments for IRAs. Uh, our total return funds also have been very successful, uh, especially when the reinvestment options are used. So there's lots of benefits to using an IRA a self-directed IRA, or a solo 401k to make investments. You reach out, as I said, to these custodians. They'll help you set up an account and roll some funds over. You then, for example, if you're working with us, you would sign the normal subscription agreement that you sign, and then your custodian would sign it. And the reason for that is your IRA is making the investment, not you. And that means a couple of things. That means that the income that's generated isn't sent to you. Those checks are sent to the IRA custodian and they add them to your account. 
And when you exit the investment and you receive all of your gains plus your original investment back, those dollars, again, go to the IRA custodian and to the solo 401k, if that's how it's set up. They don't go to you personally. Now, if you'd like those dollars, you simply make a withdrawal from your IRA, and that's subject to all the normal uh, rules around withdrawals from an IRA. So it's not your investment, and the tax implications, when we send a K-1 every year, we actually send it to that IRA custodian. It's their tax ID. So your IRA, way to think about it is your IRA is its own little tax entity, and it has a tax return, something called a 990T that you want to make sure you file every year, in particular when there are losses because you can take credit for those losses and you hang on to them so that you can use them for any gains in the future. So you might be wondering, well, wait a minute, my IRAs are supposed to be tax-free. What are you talking about taxes? Well, if you make an investment, an alternative investment that uses leverage, so you go buy that condominium I mentioned and you put half down and you get a loan for the other half, you're using leverage. Any income you make from that, any profit, you have to pay tax on the leveraged portion. So if you made $2,000, then you'd have $1,000 in taxable income because of that 50% leverage. That's called unrelated business taxable income. You'll also hear a term called UBIT, which is unrelated business income tax. Don't be afraid of these things. They're not complicated. The 990T is a fairly straightforward form. Again, you want to talk to your tax advisor about this. You want to make sure you file it every year so you take advantage of those losses because they can be carried forward. Now, if there ever is tax that's due, it's paid by the IRA in the same way that the IRA receives the cash distributions and any gains it also has to pay the tax. The other item that you'll experience if you invest using a retirement account is something called the fair market value. So every year it's reported by the investment and it's the value of that investment. Think about it this way. If you bought $100,000 of stock in company XYZ, and you had a statement at the end of the year that said it had gone down in value was only worth $50,000. Well, that's the fair market value that you would report. And the reason you know that is there's actually a market for the stock of XYZ, right? You could pick up the phone and call your broker or go online and you could sell that stock that day. And you'd get whatever the value is on that day. Well, real estate's a little different, right? We know that the one challenge to real estate, which is what makes it a great long-term investment, is the lack of immediate liquidity. There's liquidity, it's just not same-day liquidity. So how do you determine the fair market value? Well, we, and we like to follow the IRS guidelines pretty strictly, we use a third party that does an appraisal of all of the assets and does the math around what the value would be if those assets were sold and the mortgages were paid off and 
any cash laying around was harvested and liabilities all paid, all that activity, if all of that occurred, what would be left? Now, these third-party consultants will also apply some discounts. And these discounts have to do with the lack of control when you have a passive investment and the lack of marketability. Because as I mentioned, there's not an open market you can just turn around and sell your shares or your investment units on. And what those factors do is they will lower the fair market value. Now, I wouldn't be overly concerned about a low fair market value because at the end of the day, your investment is going to perform the way it's going to perform. The fair market value is simply a accounting activity that occurs so an IRS report can be generated. If you're in that investment for a full five years and it performs, say, 50% equity growth, well, then your 100,000 is going to be 150. And if it's thrown off eight grand a year in tax, uh, pardon me, in uh, cash, then that $8,000 in cash adds up to 40,000 and that 40,000 will be in your IRA. So you will have made $90,000 on your $100,000 investment, regardless of what the fair market value has said along the way. And by the way, this is only of interest to those investors that are using retirement accounts. If you don't have a retirement account, you may still get a fair market value report from your sponsor. It's of no value to you. Ignore it. Not anything you have to deal with. So one of the things that happens when you purchase a new asset, and for example, were you to become an investor with Mara Polling at the early stages of one of our investments, an individual syndication, or for example, one of our newer funds, you will likely see a fairly significant decrease in the fair market value of those assets. And the reason for that isn't because, my gosh, we've lost a lot of money. It's These are structured as long-term investments. They're not structured to be sold within a year or two years. So you take that appraisal of the property, which is probably exactly what you paid for it, maybe a little bit more, and you'd have to pay off the... Uh, loan, um, you wouldn't get back the money you spent buying the property, so that's gone, and you wouldn't get back the money you spent making improvements in that first year because they haven't had a chance to mature yet. There's some cost to actually sell that, and loans generally are going to have prepayment penalties on them because the lender is making a loan over, say, 10 years. If you pay that loan off in a year, well, they've got nine more years of income they forecasted that they need to get. So there's some pretty stiff prepayment penalties. And then remember those discounts that I talked about. Well, when you put all that together, you could see a fair market value that isn't 100% of what the investment was, but it could be 80 or 50, or it could be 20%. And if it's that low, it means nothing to you because you're not exiting at that point in time. Again, this is a report that has to be generated for IRS purposes. And over time, that fair market value will become higher as the value of the asset grows. And in particular, those prepayment penalties decrease or in some instances go away. 
This creates an interesting scenario. And this is a place where I would absolutely encourage you to talk to your tax advisor if you have a traditional retirement account. So maybe you have a 401k from a former employer that's a traditional, meaning a pre-tax account, or you have a IRA that you have managed yourself that is traditional, and you want to turn those into a self-directed IRA and be able to use those to make investments, you could use this fair market value scenario to execute a Roth conversion. And the way that works is, remember the $100,000 in stock that I just mentioned? You have $100,000 in stock and you get a fair market value report, right? Your statement, and it says it's only worth 50,000. If you execute a Roth conversion at that point in time, you will pay the tax on the value of your account. Well, what's the account worth? It's worth $50,000. You pay tax on 50,000 and then maybe it goes back to 100,000, maybe it goes all the way to zero. You don't know what's going to happen and none of that's guaranteed. The government's very supportive of these conversions. Why? Because there's trillions of dollars tied up in these traditional accounts that the government would enjoy having people pay tax on. So Roth conversions are good for the treasury because it generates taxable income for the government. Well, what about an alternative investment like real estate? Put $100,000 in, maybe you get a fair market value report that says it's only worth $25,000, that that's the fair market value. Now, you don't have any way to sell it at that point in time. That's what that lack of marketability discount is. The lack of liquidity is something that you're comfortable with because you've made a longer term investment. But if you file your paperwork at the end of the year with the IRS, you're going to list the fair market value as $25,000. And there is no guarantee that the fair market value goes up in the future. The investment could underperform. You could lose all your money. When you read the private placement memorandum of any syndication, it's going to say all those things. Now, do we think that's going to happen? We think the likelihood of that is extraordinarily small. Otherwise, we wouldn't be making these investments. And you'll also note that anytime a sponsor talks to any potential client, they're going to remind everyone, none of this is guaranteed. Gee, that sounds a lot just like the stock example I gave. So you do your Roth conversion at $25,000, pay the tax. And by the way, that tax has to be paid by you personally, not by the IRA. And at 25,000, let's say you're in the 30% bracket. So you pay 700 or pardon me, $7,500 in taxes. Now, if that account grows in value and does what I said a moment ago, not only get you get your $100,000 back in say five years, but you get that $90,000 of gain, some of it cash, some of it equity growth. That entire 190000 because it's now in a Roth IRA, can be withdrawn without any tax having to be paid on it. Now, again, there's no guarantee that you get to 190. In the same way, there's no guarantee that that stock recovers from 50000 to 100000 and then maybe grows beyond that. 
You can use that fair market though value to explore a Roth conversion. Now, if this is something that piques your interest, that you're curious about, I am happy to chat with you more about that. We have a number of clients that have utilized a strategy like this to execute Roth conversions. I say it that way because every person is unique. Your tax situation is unique. You should talk to a tax advisor about the possibility of using a fair market value on an alternative investment to execute a Roth conversion. Were you to do that, you might see a 50% savings in tax or more. The example I just gave, if you were to withdraw $190,000 from a traditional um, IRA, you would pay $57,000 in tax. You only paid $7,500, a savings of almost $50,000 on $57,000. That's a savings of something north of 80% very significant. So is it worth exploring? Absolutely. Is it the reason you should invest using retirement funds? We would say no. You should invest using retirement funds because you believe the investment you're making is a good overall fit for your plan. And taxes are simply one of the elements that we would encourage someone to take a look at. If you are interested in learning more about this, we recently had a webinar on retirement account investing. That webinar is available on the multifamily real estate channel at the Learning Center at marapolling.com. I encourage you to go take a peek at it there. If you are interested in getting a copy of that recording of the slide deck that we used, I'm happy to share that with you. Simply shoot me an email pat at marapolling.com. And I'm also happy to hop on the phone and chat with you about this or with you and your tax advisor if there are questions about how some of this may function for you. Well, I hope you found today's session valuable. I encourage you to take a look at that webinar recording that we have on the Multifamily Real Estate channel. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another episode of multifamily real estate investing presented by Mara Pollock.